everybody, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I woke up last night. I had this dream that we were already spinning around Melbourne. And then I, I woke up and realized it was still months away. Drew, what a, why are we here? Why are we here? Uh, we, that is us and Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. I thought this was going to be a 24 hours of Daytona podcast. I am <laughs> super unprepared. <laughs> uh, we are here to fill you all in on various off-season news rumblings um, in the period between last season and next season. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, if you're new welcome. to Formula One itself, you are in luck because in a few weeks, uh, we're shooting for February 26th. Uh, we will have a dedicated episode called the Preseason Primer, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and is designed to get you up to speed on how the sport works. Nice. Nice. I get it. Because of cars. Because of the cars. I got it. Uh, and why we love it so much. So, um, But in the meantime, we will be talking about uh, the news here. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience at patreon.com slash shiftf1 where uh, every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons, covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, primers for other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show uh, and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, What is uh, going on, Danny, in the Patreon land? We were just plotting a lot of that. Yes. Uh, we had a bit of a quiet January, so we got some catching up to do. But uh, we, uh, d- due to popular requests, shall we say, uh, for our next film review, we are going to take on the Best Picture Oscar-nominated movie, <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari, which is uh, apparently going to be available to rent on Amazon Video in the next, uh, I think it's February 11th. Uh, so we're going to do that this month. Um, and we're also, we've, we're, we have some ideas for what the other one is going to be this month. Uh, but if you have any suggestions, of course, uh, send us a DM on Patreon. I'm always uh, checking those. So uh, yeah, please let us know what you'd like. Uh, we're also going to be doing a bunch of stuff for the 2020 season on Patreon, but uh, we're, we're still working at some of that. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Well, if you haven't stayed tuned to various uh, racing Twitters and online <laughs> news outlets, fear not, because we have compiled a list of the most, what we think, uh, are the most uh, important news stories that have happened um, since we signed off at the end of 2019. Um, and before we kick off uh, the 2020 season for real, there is a surprising amount of uh, moving and shaking uh, in the driver market. Um, yeah, can I can I just say I'm, I'm surprised by how much of this news has come actually directly from Twitter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it used to be that Twitter would be the way we would get access to the press releases and stuff, but now it's just it's just tweets. I mean, all these tweets drivers are news. millennials now, so totally with their own like custom graphics, <laughs> thumbnails, and everything. Hashtag branding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of those millennial drivers, Charles Leclerc, has signed uh, with Ferrari until 2024. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I don't think anyone that's, was that's because a, uh, a driver contract of uh, an extension of five years is basically unheard of. Totally. Usually yeah. it's like two, if you're lucky. Or I, one. I want, Maybe yeah, is a this couple l- months if you're Roman Grosjean. Yeah, I wonder if this is like part of the what we'll see now with drivers being younger and younger is that they they sign longer contracts maybe. But I mean, the first the, the question that this raises immediately is what about Sebastian then? 
Right. Like if, Radio if he's a, Yeah. That's a five-year contract then. That's you don't sign a a five year contract for a number two driver. You know what I mean. You don't want to, you don't want the driver to be number two for five years, right? It's a uh, weird dynamic. Uh, for the the other weird thing about this, uh, did you see who represents uh, Leclerc? Rich Energy. No, Jean Tote's son. Uh, oh really? Ooh. Yeah, I think his name is Nicholas uh, Tote. Uh, but. So there's just this whole element, like, the entire thing feels weird at that point, right? Like, Michael Schumacher's old team boss, one of the most powerful figures in F1 of the last generation, his son is repping uh, Charles Leclerc and cuts this really kind of amazing deal with Ferrari to sort of lock him in for five years and sort of build the team around him. And at that point, like... I know, uh, you know, obviously F1 is kind of a generational business. There, There is nepotism everywhere you look. Mm. But it does just feel like one of those weird, uh, you know, kind of Ferrari internal politics moves that may not be entirely driven by the objective judgment that you and I, like, might reach if we're just sort of like... What you know? What, what what is a good contract to put Leclerc on? Obviously, you'd want to lock him down for some length of time, but I don't know that what I've seen, as good as he's been, makes me yeah. think half a decade commitment. Right? That is an eternity in F one, uh, and so to to have this all sort of bound up with the old team boss's son begins to once again feel like uh, Ferrari just you know uh, like court politics are true or or fact of life throughout f1 but like man ferrari just feels like a place of palace intrigue yeah uh also intriguing max verstappen not wanting to be left out uh signs (laughs) until 2023 not quite a five-year extension but uh still a pretty big one uh, with red bull that is yeah, and it's it's interesting, I think, in that, again, not a massive surprise that Verstappen is going to stay with Red Bull next season or it, for a number of seasons. But what what these things are doing is that they're removing chess pieces from the board in the sort of the shakeup that we were all kind of expecting at the end of next season, start of this season too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with, with some, so many of the contracts being sort of um, uh, running out. So, yeah, like not particularly surprised it's a you know it's a couple of years on there again three seasons we'll have him for uh, at Red Bull unless you know these contracts you can always they can always get bought out or whatever but yeah it does it does kind of um stabilize what you know what we were sort of expecting a big shake-up coming um so I don't know for the, for those two at least um well they'll stay where they are maybe it'll be the old guard who move around a little bit yeah, yeah. I um Got a document here that I've been kind of periodically updating. Uh, here are the drivers whose contracts expire at the end of 2020. So at the end of this coming season, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel, um, Kevin Magnussen, Roman Grosjean. Uh, science is unclear. Um, Hamilton and Botas. Yeah. Uh, and Ricardo, and were Leclerc and Verstappen were not on that. Well, they're not anymore. Not anymore. Were they? Were they prior? Uh, Verstappen was twenty twenty. Yeah. Leclerc was twenty twenty two. Okay. He signed a he wow he actually signed a four year contract in September of twenty eighteen. Wow, he's just re upping. Yeah. 
Okay, so wow. they gave him an extension. Mm. Yeah, um, or, or maybe it's a new contract. You, you know, based on on last year's performance. Well, that's what know. I'm thinking. Yeah, is like it was time to pay him more, but they wanted to lock him down because, like, otherwise, if they don't pay him, that could be one of those things where he, if he has two good seasons, right, he could turn around and be like, one, you didn't, you didn't pay me what I was worth, and and two, right. now I'm getting my back pay. Uh, through this next negotiation. So I can see that being uh, a thing where they're both kind of hedging their bets. Um, but yeah, I think, God, Drew, that list sounds like a lot of guys who are not going to be enough one in three years. Yeah, that's the other thing. It does, there's a couple of those, you know, I'm sure we'll still have Botas and Hamilton. Although also, who knows, with some of the stuff you hear Hamilton saying, and maybe his, Valtteri, I think, is going to come back stronger, especially after the sort of horrible personal year he had last year. But um yeah, I don't know. A couple of years. It, uh, you know, another aspect of this is the 2021 cars, which I guess we'll get into later in the news. If 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 that's a technological leap that people feel like they want to be part of or one that they're kind of done with. Yeah. Um, other driver news. We've got a couple of reserve driver announcements here. So these will be the yeah. uh, the guys that will step in if uh, one of the two teammates cannot race, either for injury or illness or whatever. Um, Williams has named uh, Formula 2 racer Jack Aitken as their reserve driver. Uh, he'll be doing practice sessions in 2020. Um, he, he was is, with Renault last year yeah, as a test driver? Yeah, with, well, he was with their uh, driver academy. And okay. recently, like a couple days ago, announced he was no longer with their driver academy. And then today announced, <laughs> I'm with Williams now. Yeah. Interesting. It seems like a... You, you could argue that that's a downward move. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe but, a faster route into F1, though, as well, which is yeah, ultimately uh, what, he, what he wants. I mean, I think it is, because uh, now he's the reserve driver instead of mm. a, I think he was a maybe a test driver for or a simulator yes. driver for Renault. I think but the, right. the I think Renault uh, Junior Academy is stacked. There are a mm. lot of, number one, a lot of drivers and a lot of good drivers there. But Williams also seems to have snapped up all of the uh the young talent in formula two at least they got george russell they got Mm. uh, nicholas tifi now they've got jack aiken and jack aiken is one of the guys that stood out to me after watching a handful of formula two races uh last year uh as a as a really a really big talent so that's uh that's a big get for williams they just need a car that doesn't drive like a lemon exactly Mm. well so this is uh this is something i noted a few weeks ago in terms of things that make me again want to ask after the health of the Williams organization, did y'all see that they they did a stock issue in uh, Williams Advanced Engineering? Mm-mm. No. So you're aware that like Williams has the racing team, but then Williams mm-hmm. also has like a successful engineering business, and the engineering yeah. business has been profitable uh, and pretty handsomely profitable uh, for for a number of years. In this off season, they did a stock issue uh, in. In that sec, in that organization, uh, they sold a majority stake in uh, WAE. So I don't know what that all like. I don't know what that all implies. Like I think the way I look at it is: is this the Williams? Is this is this the Williams family basically like cashing out of the viable business they've got? Oh no! <laughs> Just keep throwing money uh, down this uh, sink. Like, they've still, they've still got a, they've still got a decent stake in WA, but it's no longer like their business in in the sense that it, that it was. Uh, apparently, WAE was the battery supplier for Formula E, 
uh, hmm. for a number of years. So that was a that was a major part of their business. Uh, but they 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 had a WA did a lot of different things. Uh, but mostly, I look at it like on the one hand that could be a worrying signal because that could be a sign that like at this point now Williams is uh, you know basically robbing Peter to pay Paul right. to you know keep the keep the lights on keep this team keep this team afloat on the other hand i could see it as th- the team needs an injection of capital uh, from yeah. somewhere this could be a sort of streamlining and refocusing efforts on the f1 team but you know once you sold a stake in your in your company like that doesn't happen again right like that's it that's that's your shot that's your war chest mm. um and it just what we've seen in recent years, do we trust that even with an injection of resource, resources that Williams is going to be able to make good on that? Yeah. Um, I, I will say that after watching that Williams documentary uh, a couple of times, this they will pull out all of the stops they have to uh, to keep that racing team going. Even I think even if it means like running everything into the ground, <laughs> it would not surprise me if that happened. Yes, much like Fast and the Furious, it's family. It is. It's all about cars. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, although somebody who's been kicked out of the family has uh, found a new family, it looks like. That's right. Rob, do you want to update us on uh, this next item here? Sure. Uh, well, I've, in, in a way, it, I feel like it should I be. Mean, I uh, said Rob. Should... Oh, you did say Rob. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> you, said, you said Rob. I thought you were <laughs> referring to the driver. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. True. Sorry. Okay, no, we're yeah. a bit we're a bit first podcast of twenty twenty. We're a bit rusty. Sorry, yeah. take it away, Robert Zachney. Uh yeah, so I think Kubica Watch is still on, I think is the important news. Now some people might have said, What is the point? Is there anything to watch? Uh perhaps Kubica Watch should look away. Uh but to that we say, We'll see you in hell. Uh Robert Kubica has joined Alfa Romeo as a reserve driver. Uh so that is where he has ended up. Now, the F1 reserve driver spot, I would say that doesn't mean what it used to mean. Uh, it's it, mm. it, it's not like you're going to be getting a lot of testing time uh, in, in that spot like, like reserve drivers used to get. And it does look like there was a sponsorship deal uh, tied into it. So uh, a Polish company, uh, Orlen, is the co-title sponsor of the Sauber team. Uh, this is from a report by uh, Dieter Renkin and Keith Collantine over at Race Fans. Uh, and so they are, you know, as part of the package for moving in to support uh, Alfa Romeo, uh, they're bringing along Kubica as well. Um, so, you know, I'm glad he's staying involved in F1 uh, as, you know, as he wishes. Um I think this is probably this is probably the last stop, right, in a driver role for him mm-hmm. is my suspicion. Um, before we see him move on to, he seems to have good business acumen, right? So I could see him yeah. popping it up in F one in a different context, right, as uh, you know, some sort of power broker or something. Uh, but speaking of power, uh, <laughs> it you're you're all aware that. <laughs> He's had a an energy drink out for a while um, called Engine. Now, mm. Engine is running V12s. Beautiful. Uh, the loudest can yet. 
yeah, someone on Twitter, uh, Kidman, uh, sent in a picture spotted in the wild of the new V12 Mojito engines. <laughs> um, Non-alcoholic, though, I think. I believe well, it's just taurine and caffeine. Okay. 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 So it just like With tastes my... like a mojito, sort of. It's got a bit of mint in it. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Is that where it begins and ends? Damn, That's I was beautiful. hoping that he was like bringing back Four Loco. <laughs> I, uh, our our friend uh, the uh, Kidman is from Poland, and by the by the looks of the other cans around this one, this is this is maybe not available outside of of Poland. But if uh, as somebody who who has visited Poland and seen their incredible um, uh, emerging energy drink economy, just continue to to kill it. With such hits as Mike Tyson's Black as well, uh, mm-hmm. lining the shelves, um, it's uh, it's great to see more diversity in in that in that marketplace. <laughs> I can't wait to revisit and taste all the different flavors of taurine that are now on the shelves in Poland. I, I did find uh, buy the can uh, availability on Amazon. Uh, you wow. can get buy the can. Yeah, not of V12, just regular old engine, which is spelled by the way N. Is that an apostrophe? G-I-N-E. Uh, yeah, 250 milliliters for $2.79 plus $5.99 shipping. Uh, sold by uh, a company called British Essentials, which... I don't know if I trust that, frankly. Oh my god, I found a pack of six for the low, low price of $33.79, but with free shipping. Oh. I don't think I would take six cans of compressed carbonated drink with free shipping i feel like i'd want to have paid for the shipping yeah i don't trust it uh speaking of bottled energy sure we got everyone to commit to car launch dates every amazing. f1 team here um has announced yeah. their launch date which uh, someone asked me on Twitter, what does that actually mean? What is a launch date? Which I thought was a pretty good question, actually. It's basically just, here's what our car looks like. <laughs> yeah, here's our car. Here's our drivers. If there's any driver issues, they're usually rounded off by then. Who's on teams? I don't think we have any of that stuff. Uh, that all got rounded out by the end of last season. But it's cool that they're all happening. It's kind of like a, a week and change of, of announcements. Yeah, it starts February 11th. Uh, Ferrari's the first one to kick off. Then we've got Renault and Red Bull on the 12th. McLaren on the 13th. Alpha Tori, which is the new Toro Rosso. Oh, no. it's, it's also nope. intercapped, which is more annoying, I think. That's called Camel Case, I believe. Yep. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, they and Mercedes are both on Valentine's Day, the 14th. Beautiful. Uh, and then Racing Point and Williams are on the 17th. And Gene Haas and team, along with Alfa Romeo, uh, are on the 19th of February. Yeah, in Barcelona. So at, at uh, I guess they have to have it done before. That's right. Yeah. I think that's the first day of testing. Testing, yeah. Uh, speaking of Racing Point, by the way, uh, Stroll and crew are oh, at, up to their old hijinks again. Um, and uh, that team from 2021 onward will be known as Aston Martin. Uh, Lance Stroll's father, Lawrence Stroll, and his buddies threw in 182 million pounds uh, to Aston Martin for a 16.7% stake in the company, uh, and thus will rebrand the Racing Point team 
of which his son races for, uh, as Aston Martin from 2021 onward. And presumably also involved quite a bit in, I guess, trying to pump some new energy and life into Aston Martin, the brand as well, which has been sort of flailing for the past uh, couple of years. Um, apparently, I, I don't know too much about uh, his background, but apparently in fashion, he's had quite a lot of success uh, sort of uh, investing money and picking up um, uh, a bunch of flailing brands. Uh, that's a pretty significant stake in the in, yeah. the, in the company. Yeah. God, uh, Red- this is how you got a half lives, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Red Bull sponsorship um, will end at the end of 2020 because uh, they currently have a deal with Aston Martin. Right. Uh, speaking I of hot scoops. Is- Sorry, go on. Scoops and deals, backroom dealings, and getting to see them. We will do just that on February 28th because that's when oh the second season of Drive to Survive releases onto netflix i am very very excited about this do you know they did the premiere tonight at, so today i guess in uh in somewhere in england they had a, a tweet out earlier from the f1 uh twitter account saying uh, with like carla signs like shaking hands of people afterwards really so presumably he comes across well in it i guess uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i'm really excited man i the the netflix app keeps like saying on my like watch it again or keep watching thing drive to survive and i keep thinking it's the new season (laughs) i'm like oh my god it's there then oh no it's just stupid thing telling me to watch it again um yeah i can't wait that first one i mean we see it every week with the emails we get from people uh with the 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 folks who who talk to us uh whenever we meet them around the place uh about listening to the podcast that like it's it really did work in getting a lot of people involved so um, it should be interesting to see if this one has a similar effect or if it's maybe hasn't the same sort of breakthrough effect the first one did. But um, yeah, very excited to see it. And I'm excited to see some Ferrari and Mercedes this time around. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Daniel Ricardo was on The Daily Show on Monday night. Oh, cool. Uh, and they uh, asked him about it and he said, yeah, I, before I used to be able to go to the US and not get recognized by anyone but Rob Zachney. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and now... Uh, people say, hey, I saw you on Drive to Survive. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. He had a big uh, big part of that, you know. He was in quite a lot with all the Monaco or the, the Baku stuff and then the in Monaco with the signing for Renault. Um, I don't know if he'll have that much of an appearance in this year's one, to be honest. Maybe he'll have a new song. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe a little less lewd this time. Uh, speaking of Australia... Uh, F1 is, oh, quote, boy. monitoring the fires in Australia um, that are happening there. Uh, and um, But so far has not called off the Australian Grand Prix opening round. Uh, Did you the see the, um, the tennis? Some of the, the players struggling with the smoky atmosphere, or the bad air or whatever. Um, it was pretty horrible to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh I mean the whole everything that's happened there since we since we talked last has been horrific. It's crazy to think that so much of it is still going on. Um you'd hope that a lot of that stuff not for the sake of the race for the sake of just the folks who were there that it'll be long gone by the time we're talking about this stuff in mid-March, but uh yeah, pretty shocking uh, scenes to be seeing from there for the past few weeks. Yeah, uh Lewis Hamilton, known lover of animals, um donated I think $500,000 uh, wow. to uh to help um 
with that catastrophe. Uh, similarly, F1 is also, quote, monitoring the coronavirus in China. Um, and that's about all they've said about that. But Formula E has already canceled its round. Right. Uh, which I think was due to take place in March. Yeah, I wonder why them ahead was this. The, I mean, the joke we always made about the, the Chinese Grand Prix is that no one ever went to it anyway. There was all those empty stands. <laughs> They've had a massive problem trying to get bums on seats there for the past couple of years. It's always been sort of not long for this world. Um, but I guess perhaps, I, do, I wonder if just the city nature of Formula E makes it much more of a problem. Hmm. Um uh, but I don't know, like, whenever you think about, like, these contagion events and they're trying to keep people away from transit hubs, like, a sporting event that is inherently foreign is in and of itself just a big transit hub. So, uh, you know, regardless of wherever the F1 is taking place, even if it's outside of a, a city, it's like, what is it? Like, I feel like it's like 20 or 30 miles outside of Shanghai or something. Um, uh, then, you know, it's it's definitely causing an issue but again it's a it's a march thing you'd hope that this uh, coronavirus you know i'm no <laughs> expert when it comes to these diseases but you'd hope that you know maybe the the bulk of that has has dissipated or it's somewhat under control but you never know um and we've seen it over the past few years with with various other outbreaks and sporting events i remember in the uk when when um uh swine flu was going around for instance there was a bunch of stuff cancelled there was worries about the olympics and stuff like that um but yeah, another uh, another terrible event happening, and, and also with a race that's happening pretty close to the start of the season. It's going to be a, a, an odd start to the season between Australia, China, and then a bunch of the new races thrown in there too. Yeah, it uh, it's currently uh, on for the weekend of April eighteenth and nineteenth, um, right, and if it is cancelled, that will be, I believe, four weeks between. Uh, oh. What is that? The yeah, that's Vietnam. Vietnam, yeah. And then Zandvoort. Yeah. Dutch Grand Prix. So we would have three a, and five. a spring break as well as a summer break. Yeah, like almost immediately as well. It'll be quite interesting. It's funny how long this, this the start of it kind of takes. There is a big gap between uh, Bahrain and Vietnam as well, or a decent one. Hmm. Uh, speaking of changes to races, though, um, the USA and Mexico rounds have a new support series. So if you've ever gone to a uh, uh, a Grand Prix weekend, uh, or I guess watch the, the expanded coverage on something like F1 TV's app, um, there are support races that race before Formula One at the same track on the same day, usually. Uh, Formula 2 does that, usually in Europe. Um, when they come to the U.S., there's the, the Porsche Challenge. Um, but in USA and Mexico, uh, they will have the W Series. Awesome. Which is so cool. Yeah, they're fun races. Spec Series, so everyone's in the same kind of cars. They they swap engineers <laughs> every race. Right. It's uh, competitive. It's fun. Um, and it's great. It'll get a bunch of uh, very talented female drivers in front of big crowds uh, especially both those those weekends like usa grand prix that whole weekend is well attended you know you get people to practice you get people to quality lots of dedicated fans in the u.s make that their sort of uh home for the entire week and you could say the same about uh circuit hermanos rodriguez as well it's uh it's in the middle of a city and you know you, you tend to have a lot of diehard people uh, watching those races so i think that's really cool that actually makes me want to go to austin uh, even more this year 
Yeah. I think they should really give F1 fans uh, what, what they crave and run a reverse grid race. That's the, like, hey, remember overtaking? And then, boom, reverse grid W Series <laughs> what, race. As a support race? Oh, yeah. W Series. Well, because the W Series reverse grid race last year was, hands down, yeah. a tremendous race. <laughs> uh, so I would be all here for for them doing that as a support race. Um we should remove the stigma on reverse grid races. Uh, let, let's face it, it is, it is the most fun uh, way to... Is it is it competitively balanced? Probably not, but far and away the most fun. Make it double super license points. Yeah, speaking of which, um, W Series has gotten official FIA super license point uh, allocation for the 2020 season onward. Um, and it's also being recognized by Indy as well? Did I read that? Oh, I don't know. Someone, I, I thought I saw something along the lines of Indy and someone else that also uh, was also going to basically recognize it or something. Well, they, I don't get, know what. they get the same uh, points as Indy Lights uh, and NASCAR. So basically, okay. a, a, a super license is something the FIA put together where uh, they assign a point value to where you finish uh, in, a, in another series championship. And the, I think generally the thinking is the closer it is to driving an F1 car, the more points that you get. Um, so like Formula 2, you get super a lot of super license points. But something like, uh, you know, NASCAR, you don't get as much. Um, so W Series now gets the same allocation as NASCAR, Indy Lights, uh, Australian right. Supercars, Super Formula, World Touring Car Championship, and a, a few others. Um, which means they get four, uh, 15 points for winning the championship, uh, all the way down to one point for eighth place in the championship. And uh, to race in F1, you need to have accrued 40 super license points over the previous mm. three seasons. Um, up until now, uh, the W Series was was just, um, I guess, like a more nebulous demonstration of racing talent, but this is like actually putting point values assigned to it, saying that if, you know... Um, you get 15 points here, maybe uh, some other points in other racing series, then uh, you will qualify for that super license. So that's mm. awesome. Counterpoint. No, I mean, it's 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 good that you're giving the super license uh, points to W Series competitors. But, like, you know, as we've discussed before on the show, it's not W, it's not, it's not super license points that are preventing uh, F1 from becoming at all representative of yes. gender balance, right? Like, I feel like this is one of those things where this is the sort of progress that's really easy to show. This is the sort of thing where you can be like, we are absolutely filling up that pipeline. And that is the classic story of removing those hurdles, but at the very t- pinnacle of motorsport, like, is anyone going to give up a spot or set or set aside a spot and uh, actually, like, place a... W Series driver in a you know in in a car that's competitive for like an F one spot right like that's the that's the jump I think we're really going that's the that's the jump we need to see right like W Series uh, is a great effort and it it throws together some great racing uh, but I feel like these are things that are going a long way to raising awareness of the sport and bring it closer to the motorsports mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and like things like this do a good job of eliminating excuses 
that people can offer as to why there are no women competing at this level of motorsport. Uh, but also at the same time, the next thing that's going to have to happen is some of these driver academy roles. Uh, you know, so that the sort of track that drivers are placed on to advance in F1. Uh, we need to start seeing some teams take that stop and that step and place place women on that on that ladder as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels it feels like knocking another brick out of that wall. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a lot of stuff that needed to change over the, you know how the how everything has been established so far. Um, yeah. So, but like there's one thing is undeniable. We have more people watching more women driving around racetracks because of this initiative, which only started last. Was it started last year? Or the year before? I can't yeah, remember. last year was started the first last season. year. Yeah, yeah. So you know, remember we're watching that first race and how sort of like. You know, rough around the edges, the whole thing kind of felt, but it, they've they've made a decent amount of progress in a very short period of time. Yeah, uh, you, you can go back and watch the entire 2019 season on YouTube. Uh, thankfully, they uploaded all of the races there in a nice, easy to uh, absorb format. Uh, and for the next season, uh, which starts May 29th, uh, they have enlisted F2 commentator Alex Jakes, uh, who oh, is cool. a great commentator. So I think yeah. um, he'll be a, a good addition. Um, and Calderon has moved on to Super Formula. That's right. And in a sort of uh, kind of what you were talking about, Rob, there there wasn't mm. a slot. So a, a team basically entered Super Formula, <laughs> uh, like an, an, an additional team, um, and then hired, uh, uh, signed Tatiana Calderon uh, as uh, as her driver. So uh, that's that's one way to do it for sure. First female driver in Super Formula? That's right. Yeah. Um, speaking of Formula 2, they uh, released their own kind of Drive to Survive style documentary called uh, Chasing the Dream Chasing the Dream on F1 TV. <laughs> uh, I have not watched it. Have you watched it? I watched it. It's um, It goes quick. It's, uh, I think it's like eight episodes of... So, I think it's five, it says on oh, this news post. Is it? Okay. Um, went, went even quicker. <laughs> yeah. So... Our- are they like an hour long kind of no, feeling? No, they're like a they... half hour long. So it's basically oh, like okay. a two and a half hour movie if you just wanted to sit so down. So it's and watch shorter. It. It's an hour shorter than The Irishman. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the Danny O'Dwyer documentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's um, my life. It's uh, it's fine. It's um, it's very <laughs> much a a cohesive. <laughs> Um, kind of race by race look, which is maybe not as interesting as sort of the approach that Drive to Survive took, which is more like a mm. driver based thing or team based thing. Um, this is more about the 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 championship, the standings. Yeah, it's more okay. yeah, it's more straightforward like that. Um, but they did they did do a good job with it, and they did do a good job with uh, um, you know, a, a very heavy task of uh, you know, covering Antoine Hubert's crash. Um, oh my goodness! Of course, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, if, if one, I think the the best thing that these sorts of documentaries do is introduce you to the people. Um, and I think this does a decent job of that. So if you, uh, are looking into get into formula two, this would maybe be a good, a good, uh, first step, I think. Yeah. And if not to, not to be doing F1 TVs work for them, but if you wanted to watch more races next year, the F2 stuff has always been pretty good on a, on F1 TV as like extra, uh, you know bits and bobs extra races to watch if you're if you're f- uh, full up with f1 or you've watched everything uh got a couple notes here from um the off-road world uh fernando alonso raced in the the dakar rally 
Uh, he he rolled at least once, which is uh, yeah, at least once. <laughs> uh, immortalized uh, in an F one um, Twitter post, which is a it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good footage. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, and he finished thirteenth uh, of fifty four in his class, which is pretty good wow. considering he's only this is his first time racing it. Uh, Carlos Side Senior, uh, he won. Yeah, there's life on the old dog yet. Yes, fair play. Um. This this tumble that Alonso did feels like he couldn't have nailed it better for the camera people. Like <laughs> it's absurd how like uh, how much regard he gave to the photographers. He like turns. It almost looks like he did it on purpose. He turns. <laughs> he loses the back end right at the top of a sand dune, and there's just like shed loads of people either side of him watching him record. Like there must be about fifty angles of this role. Yeah. This in slow motion as well. Someone had it or had their iPhone out. Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw a little bit of this, and I guess I hadn't realized how absurd this event is. Um, like, have you, you ever watched that car before? No, that's, no, that's insane. Like, you can, so you can. Ma- okay, Mina, that's you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. I was like, are we editing out the dog stuff or not? I I can't yeah. tell. Uh, I'll no, just not refer to it. At a certain it. point, I just uh, the the dog is very happy, and she's got a little um, bone that she's flinging around and pouncing on uh, as she practices her hunting. <laughs> but no, you could not like the sight of these cars approaching like these dune cliffs. Uh, I, it looks terrifying, like the, to realize the speed they're going and then like just hurtling into these like desert abysses. Uh, yeah, I did not realize what a wild looking event it was. It's so, it's so strange. I remember reading like over the years, cause of course there's motorcyclists, you can ride, drive, whatever you want, basically, um, as long as you're going from A to B and in certain like, um, lighting circumstances obviously they have uh, dust storms and you know sandstorms all that sort of stuff but you know when you get that like diffuse lighting if there's a bit of a atmosphere you can't really pinpoint shadows and so you don't realize you're about to go over a a a hump until it's so you have to be and you're also driving through you know it's like driving through central valley on the way to la or something it's just like nothing you know what i mean so like trying to like define anything and you're doing it for hours and hours and hours but trying to uh ensure that you have enough um you know presence in the moment that you're actually like scanning to you know that environment and making sure that you're not about to go off something and that's most most of the drives end up there's mechanical failures for sure but like uh, you know a lot of the retirements are because of crashes that happen because you know they don't really not paying attention at the right time didn't realize how much of a hill it was or just like crashing into boulders they didn't even see because we were in a sandstorm i wonder if you've ever like spent uh a long time um, you know, in the surf or on a boat, uh, and right. then come back on land and tried to fall asleep, and you still feel like you're on the water. <laughs> yeah, Do you think when totally. they fall asleep, they still feel like they're being bounced around inside of a dune buggy? I wonder. I bet it's really strange. It's it's a it's a massive shame that there's not. I wonder if there's a good documentary. I'm sure there is. There's something, but like so much of this stuff, you never see because they're all driving their own Ooh. routes. I mean, many of them are on their own ones or on common ones, but. Uh, so you, you tend to not see a lot of the incidents themselves. You'll kind of see the wreckages afterwards when they call in. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, like, do you remember that story years ago about the guy who got lost and ended up, like, falling asleep in a, in like a, 
Or was he fell asleep in like a in a castle he found or something? It was really strange. It was I know. like this weird Wasn't it Jensen Button who recently was in a race and was maybe the Baja one thousand and he was stuck for like seventeen hours? Right, really. Yeah. Which by the way reminds me we should do a um uh, a patron um uh review podcast for Dust to Glory. Have you guys seen that one? No. It's What's a, that? it's by the documentary team who did Step into Liquid. Uh, but it's about the Baja 1000. What's Step Into Liquid? I'm it's saying, is a, a famous surfing documentary. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's really good. Nice. It's shot really well, too. So the I'll Baja add, 1000 is done in, It's is it in the California part of Baja Penin? Like, say, the California Baja, like TJ or in there? Or? Yeah, it's in Mexico. That's where Baja, okay. California, yeah. That's what that peninsula is called, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or something? Okay, cool. That's rad. All I know about Baja is the video game that came out on Xbox 360. Yep. Do you remember that? I do. Over the what was it called again? Baja. It was actually all right. It was like a decent racer. I think I have a copy of it around. So I should Edge of Control. Baja Edge of Control. Put that on the list good. too. Yeah, it's not an F1 one game, F- but F- well, I'm running out of F1 games. Truth be told, <laughs> you know the last one we did was. Uh, was our Andretti, and there wasn't an F one car to be seen. So, uh, <laughs> oh, is that the need... is that the one where it's uh, like the story of his life? Uh, like it's the it's, sprint it's the cars, old... yes, uh, muscle yes. car, yeah, 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 yeah. You can play all three, uh, and they all drive totally different. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty good. You can check it out right now on patreoncom shift f one. Uh, speaking of weird cars uh, racing off road, Extreme E. Had their first real world test. By the way, this is. Yeah, what is this? This is. I forget what this is. I think. I believe it's affiliated with Formula E. It's um, more extreme, you're telling but me. But it's super extreme. Oh, uh, okay. This is basically rally cars, but electric. Okay. Um, hmm. And they are going to be going around. Uh, mm, when is it? Not, not this year. Maybe next year? Uh, but racing like in real world environments, like in the desert on a glacier, uh, meant to sort of bring awareness to the changing climate. <laughs> and, By running an electric car over it. Yeah. Nice. Just maybe a weird move, but um, yeah, there's a video here of uh, an, uh, an electronic rally car driving around some sand dunes. Yeah, I remember watching it, and I couldn't perceive, again, with the issue with sand dunes, I couldn't tell if it was an RC car or a real car. <laughs> You've got sand blindness, Danny. Yeah, exactly. I think this could be the weird thing about, like, I'm actually I'm really curious to see what this uh, looks like when it's live, right? Like, when they're, when they're doing it for real, because uh, the thought of an electric car doing this kind of really rugged uh, hmm. off-roading and rally racing is really interesting to me. Um, at the same time, man, what a weird, what a weird <laughs> vibe. These silent little electric cars just like whirring across the desert. They look really cool though. I just posted a link in the, in the discord, uh, of what these things look like. I think it's a cool design. That is one of the elements of this stuff that's really interesting. Is like when you remove the human from the car, yeah. they can look like anything you want. You mean the engine? You can. Uh, I mean the entire. These aren't thing, the robot ones. Sh- 
These should oh, be not? robots. These are still. Oh, these, right. are I was, still I was looking at that. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, I'm getting confused with all my future tech. I, Robo, I feel like Robo the race. Yeah, I am the I am the boomer with the. With the I smart believed it for a second. I was looking at that. Like I was looking at the driver in that, and I was like, oh weird. They put a little robot guy in there. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like when you it's like when you try and get in the uh, the carpool lane by by putting. I had a dude behind me in the carpool lane, and I swear to God, it scared the bejesus out of me. He had what looked like a a a werewolf mask on a mannequin, wearing like a yellow rain mac, like the kid in it wears. Oh my like god! Like a yellow, and I was like. Why would you make the mannequin wear a yellow? Who the fuck wears a yellow raincoat in in a car in California? Like, how has he never been caught? But it was very scary for me. Yeah, these cars look cool. I like them. I like the eyes. They look like Wally or something. Is Robo Race still happening? Do we know? Oh, the god! All everything at a Robo Race was was at such a slower pace than what they had meant that I wouldn't be surprised if if we. I say we get one or two little race attempts again this year, but. I don't know if that. It seems like they need to pump a lot of money into that thing to make it viable. Yeah, I guess it's and it's also like not interesting. Like nobody, the drivers are the reason people stay with any sport <laughs> is is the people. So yeah. like when you remove, they need like what you need to do at that stage is attach brands or weird things to the races. Like do an American race and have it be all of the presidential nominees are assigned to a car <laughs> or like are doing in England to make it the Premier League teams. You know what I mean? Like do something weird like that where people can, can care because no one's going to, you know, no one's going to be invested otherwise. Well, speaking of caring about Formula One, Autocar and RaceFans.net reported that uh, Mercedes mm. uh, at their next board meeting were going to discuss whether to stay in Formula One. Uh, however, in uh, sus- subsequent reporting, this from Reuters, uh, chief executive of Daimler, Ola Kalenius, says that is not true, um, that they will not be discussing. It, well, he said that the, the board meeting is not on the 12th uh, and that <laughs> they would not be discussing uh, whether to leave. On the 12th? wink 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 (laughs) yeah i mean to be honest i would think it would be incredibly irresponsible for them to not talk about leaving f1 at every board meeting yep (laughs) because it's like such a money thing like you don't have to leave f1 but you should certainly engage with the idea of leaving f1 (laughs) like (laughs) on a really selling your boat it should be up for discussion (laughs) every budget meeting (laughs) totally every every house meeting has to come up it's like you know we yeah. can sell the boat. <laughs> no, I mean I'm I'm with you though. Like first of all, the reports about this were seemed pretty well sourced. There were a couple reporters uh, who, who were uh, you know pretty familiar around the uh, the paddock. Uh, Dieter Rankin being one of them, generally a good business reporter around F1, a decent analyst. Um, and I think. This is one of, like this is an uncomfortable thing because it's scary to think about Mercedes just taking its ball and going home. That's a lot of investment in the sport uh, disappearing. That leaves a really powerful organization, uh, you know, kind of at loose ends. I know that one of the things they were toying, they're they sort of floating out there, was that there might be uh, yet another takeover of the Mercedes operation. Uh, you know, that that team has been passed on since what was it? It was Braun, but Braun basically took the team over from Toyota. Toyota. 
Honda. Um, I but I, I think if you're Mercedes, you're about to have this generational shift happen in F1. It's going to require a lot of investment to yet again like uh, create a really successful program in this era. And there's kind of a weird dynamic. This is the weird thing about Formula One. In a franchise sport, like the Patriots can win as many Super Bowls as they want. They still got to play for the Super Bowl next year. You know, there's never a point where they can be like, well, we're done. We're, you know, we're raising it to the Raptors ourselves and we're calling it a day. Formula One is really weird in that these uh, manufacturer teams actually have a great deal of incentive to wind down their investment, right? Like this has been the pattern historically. Once Once Ford started winning a bunch of endurance races, it stopped being a thing Ford felt the need to continue investing yeah. in. They made the point. Audi's uh, you know, endurance championship powerhouse operation, once they had basically smoked every competitor like three, four years running, seen off challenges from uh, Peugeot and uh, was it the start of the Toyota program trying to mount an attack on them? Once they'd proven that point, it was time to wrap it up because – after a certain point, you're probably not getting a ton of useful R&D from it uh, in terms of the money invested. And also, motorsports for a manufacturer are to a degree a marketing play. You're mm-hmm. never going to get a better marketing outcome than Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes organization dominating for a decade. Uh, yeah, and so the only way is down at that stage, right? Yeah, and that's the other thing. You know what sucks is the narrative of ooh, what's happened at Mercedes. Like to a degree, I I would be like, time to shut this down. Like it's yeah. it's a wrap. It's almost like a like a like a driver's career or like any sports person's career. Like you end on the high, right? Like, but when there's money involved, it's like such an incentive for it. Surprised it doesn't happen more often. I guess it's just like I feel like the, the, the so much of this sport is held together not with like duct tape, but with just like love for the sport like if you if you took that away none of this would go on um and that happens at the with the with the greatest sort of levels of finance as well um yeah i don't know i i feel like these rumors we we had a lot of this stuff circling at the end of the season as well at the end of 2020 um i don't think we'll see much of it uh this year or next year but i wouldn't be surprised if you know it's the same thing with Renault, right there's a lot of folks we're looking at right now that you kind of you look at the 2021 shake-up you look at the sort of new generation of drivers that are coming in we definitely have a just we're having this big generational shift over these past uh you know last year and the next couple of years i wouldn't be surprised if somebody bounced out and one of the biggest shames i think is that not enough of the smaller newer teams have managed to make their way up through the uh through the ranks, I guess we had some of that last year, but like teams like Haas, for instance, have actually kind of backtracked a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know, but but who knows? Maybe that maybe that Gulf, like if a Mercedes left, does that create space for Renault to suddenly you know get into that into that top three fight finally, where they they feel like they should be? Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, should we see about some emails? Sure. Shift F one podcast at gmail or if you're one of the Cool folks, cool kids. You can go to f1.cool slash emails. Uh, I'm going to take this first one, if you don't mind. Please. Gentleman. Uh, this it's one comes one. in from James. It's a, it's a, it's a story. I, I oh thought my I, God. I should. Yeah, we should start, okay. I thought, by uh, 
by, you know, just regaling everyone with a with a jaunty tale of an English night out. Who doesn't love one of those? Um, this one comes in from James in Newcastle. He says, uh, hello, Drew, Danny and Rob. Long time listener, first time writer here. Not only have I found cans of rich energy in the past, but the company paid for promotion at one of the preeminent cocktail bars in my town. Oh, Granted, boy. this place is essentially horrific. <laughs> yeah, you know where this is going. Granted, this place is essentially horrific, but a quote unquote <laughs> night out with Newcastle's footballers presented by Rich Energy seemed like a glorious shit oh, show. Oh, my goodness. James, <laughs> I salute this. This is exactly what we need people to go out <laughs> and do. On the ground reporting. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Newcastle United FC is the biggest football, soccer, teams uh, in the Premier League in our local area, and anyone either supports them or Sunderland AFC. I'm a fan of the latter. Away the lads. Uh, Newcastle's hated rivals. So an opportunity to laugh at Rob Lee and Norberto Solano shill this terrible energy drink seems like, uh, seems too funny to miss. The night began with a representative of Rich Energy giving a backbreakingly cringe-inducing speech about how this energy drink is rich with energy and announcing to the bar's staff horror that the drink would be free with any spirit all night uh, and that it was the only available energy drink that night. There was clearly uh, They were clearly not told in advance and had to quickly shift almost every single can of Red Bull away from the bar <laughs> and downstairs to the what? cellar. This guy then started just throwing cans of rich energy out to the bar and fair uh, to say people were not satisfied. The manager of the bar had to ask him to stop so he finally submitted after quite the argument in which he explained do you know who I am numerous times. Um, I should, for context, uh, a night out in Newcastle would be like, that would be a fairly leery night out. Like you would, people would be up for up for mischief, let's say. Okay. Um, so the the idea of like adding more mischief in the form of free drink seems like kind of a a bad cocktail uh, in its mm. own right. Um, back to the email. Anyway, on to the special guests. The two footballers were awkwardly placed on stools on the stage throughout the whole of this argument between the host of the talk-in yes. uh, and the bar manager uh, and were due to speak roughly 15 minutes before they began to do so when and were pretty trashed by the time they began to speak. Good. Clearly they couldn't give a shit about why they were there. And after a very small interview-style talk-in, they took questions from the crowd and proceeded to either refuse to answer them or mock those who asked. What are you saying, Rob? So they were doing a Q&A, but before they do the <laughs> Q&A, your man comes out and is like, by the way, the drinks are free with this energy drink. So like, you do the <laughs> Q&A after you're basically going to get everyone wasted. Anyone who's been to a uh, timeshare meeting knows that, <laughs> <laughs> that that stuff comes after the the free stuff comes after the the the, the mandatory um, Q and A. Um, now, as a Sunderland supporter, I found the fuming Newcastle fans pretty fucking hilarious. But the night only began. Uh, to get better from there on. The two finally returned to their VIP booth and were uh, plied with free vodka and rich energy all night. By about 10pm, the two were so completely drunk, they began to fight with said Newcastle fans. (laughs) The police were called and these two legends were escorted away quite swiftly. On their way out, Rob Lee tried to punch the bouncer and stumbled over his own feet. The drink... Rob Lee's a pretty famous footballer as well, by the way. Uh, the drink itself is uh, absolutely trash. Uh, it tastes like a really bad energy drink, one of those 50p ones you get from a local convenience store, but laden with far too much sugar and worryingly sweet. People generally asked for Red Bull instead as a mixer, uh, as it was simply intolerable 
to the palatable to the palate, uh, but were denied due to the nature of the deal Rich Energy paid at this bar to promote their drink. I've never seen another can of this crap in the 18 months since this event and wasn't surprised at all by the actions of the company and CEO regarding Haas. P.S. McLaren to win uh, a race within the next two years. Thank you so much, James. Wow. That sounds great. That sounds totally on brand. Yeah, I, I believe every word of that. <laughs> Terrific. Um, Drew, do you want to take uh, take this one? That's what I call an activation. <laughs> uh, okay, this is Declan from Toronto, <clears throat> who says, Hey guys, I've been watching F1 for a few years now and was excited when I found your podcast two years ago. You do a great job and love the race recaps and news. Keep up the excellent work. Thank you, Declan. Uh, I am trying to make an effort each F1 season to go and see at least one race on a different track. That is awesome. Uh, Last year was Canada. I'm from Toronto, so that one was easy. This year I will be attending the inaugural Vietnam Grand Prix. I think that's a really cool choice. Uh, I am looking forward to attending the first ever race at this new track. Are any, of you, are any of you planning on attending any races this year? If so, which ones? Uh, it would be interesting to know if any of your listeners will be attending the Vietnam Grand Prix as well. Yeah, I thought with the start of the season, might be an interesting conversation to have. And also maybe some folks could let us know where, if, if they're, they're listening in what races um, they, they might be going to this year. Uh, what do you think, Drew? Any, anyone this year? Um, I, I don't have any plans yet. Uh, although I think if I were to do another one, I think the, the, the most approachable one that I haven't yet been to would be, uh, Mexico. Um, yeah. So I, I'd, point. I'd like to do that one. It's pretty close as all things considered to me in San Francisco. Yeah. And it's, uh, near the end of the season ish. So it's kind of one that you can, we don't have to plan necessarily right away. Yeah. That sounds fun. I wouldn't mind. I've never been to Mexico before. Have you? Uh, I've been to Cabo San Lucas, which is okay. Mm, not really. <laughs> well, that's it's like, its own that's like the resort area, yeah. right? Is that on the east or west coast? Uh oh boy, I, th- I believe it's on the west coast. Okay, am I wrong about there? Uh, Rob, have you ever been? You go to any races this year? Uh, probably not. Uh, I tend to have this problem where I tend to think about like what it costs to do the minimum buy-in to like travel and like go see an F1 race. And mm. then I'm like, you know what? I'll do this when I have considerably more money lying around and I can do it upright. Uh, and doing it upright usually in this case means also booking more time for the trip and really do all the, all the shit that goes on around an F1 race. Uh, yeah. You know, the... Uh, you know the the open track periods where you can sort of walk the track uh, at the places where they allow that. Uh, you know, maybe do some infield uh, cookout stuff. Like that's kind <laughs> of maybe that's probably more of an endurance racing thing uh, myself. But that's that's the t- kind of headspace I tend to get in. So I am pretty determined this year to go to a race in Sonoma Motor Speedway because oh, yeah. now that I'm I'm back in the area. Um, and I did a really bad job of going to any of the races that were around me when I lived in Maryland. Um, so I, I'm really interested in doing that uh, for sure. Uh, I don't know. I feel like sometimes when when I, I tend to not like book these things unless like the universe makes it happen for me. Uh, and I kind of blew a lot of my like, I spent a lot of money this month on sporting events. My uh, brother turned 40 last year and we hadn't gone like spent time together 
like alone in like 15 years so uh i got um tickets to U- ufc 246 so mcgregor and cerrone oh, wow. um we actually booked it before we thought there might be a ufc because he was just going to come visit and we go to vegas we got like all the tickets to the hotels and everything super cheap and then they ended up do- confirming the-, the ufc so we went to that and then the worst part was or the better part but also the worst part for the bank account was that um he that meant he was in we were there and then we flew back to the bay area the following day where the nfc final was on 30 miles from where i live so we then the following day saw the niners win the divisional in uh, uh just south of us here in, in um um uh, santa santa clara so i feel like I spent, oh my I spent my our budget for my budget for like sporting events certainly for like the first half or three quarters of the year is gone um but uh, I do want to go see something in Sonoma this year, um, whatever sort of like local and fun. Uh, I, Mexico, actually, now that you mentioned it, is probably really interesting to me. I wonder, Rob, would you be interested in going to like something like Formula E in New York? It's on in in uh, the second week of July. Would that be? Because you're not, how far is New York from you? It's like a Not that far, or... but also is New York in July. That's the, like, I was looking oh, at it last year too, okay. where I was like, that could be a lot of fun, except like, I can imagine a few things less pleasant than hanging out at a race in, uh, you know, in the middle of Trash New York. York, out of doors. Yeah, it's it's more like it just it, you know you're basically like in a giant heat island, uh, hanging out by the East River, <laughs> uh, watching some watching some qu- cars quietly whisper past. Maybe if you could, or- I always like if you can like organize like a work meeting or something that day. That, see, that, that like- is the real pro move. Is like, oh yeah, I've got uh, Vice stuff. I have to go to go down right. to New York and do. Uh, I'm gonna. By the way, I'm leaving early on Friday. I because I'm going to be in Austin in two weeks' time, and I'm going to be in France in a week's time. So you screwed up your work- dates totally. Like I could, I could have gone. I could have checked in on my favorite circuit in the world. See how Paul Ricard is doing uh, this year. I can't think of a race I'd rather not go to any less. Um, so yeah, sometimes that happens where I'm like, oh, we'll we'll make it work here. But it's funny, like Austin, I think is about as equidistant. It's equidistant, I think, from where I was in Maryland. It's still like a five-hour flight, or maybe it's a bit shorter here. Maybe it's like three and a half hours or something. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in that. I wonder if anyone else. Yeah, if anyone else is going to Vietnam and they want to share, you want to share their details with Declan. Uh, let us know. Uh, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com Rob you want to take this one? Sure this is from uh, Ben Lancaster Uh, subject is cool racing book I just finished a book that made me think about what you're saying in the season wrap up and the new breed of drivers willing to have a bit of a laugh the book is Jason Plato how not to be a professional racing driver for those that haven't heard of him he's a pretty prolific British touring car driver who has been on the scene the whole time that I can remember watching it and has also done some TV shows in the UK too He spins many entertaining tales about how he failed to make it in single-seaters, but ultimately doesn't regret it as he's had a lot of fun along the way, some involving hijinks as a pilot of a private plane, which may give Drew some ideas. (laughs) I definitely recommend giving it a read. Perhaps there could be even a Patreon episode to discuss some books in the future. Keep up the good work. Less than two months and the circus starts again. Yeah, I looked it up. It, It looks like it's got decent reviews. Um... 142 ratings on Amazon so I got almost 5 stars um, I did a bit of reading around it and it sounds like it's pretty interesting some reviews sounded pretty good um, I don't know this guy myself but he sounds like a bit of a sort of an old school Bon Vivant uh, uh, driver sort of happy-go-lucky uh, something in here about uh, 
former inmate of the Monaco Police Department. So <laughs> oh, clearly, man. clearly he was up to uh, up to no good down there. Um, but yeah, we often get book recommendations, and I'm pretty bad at reading um, F1 books. I read quite a lot of soccer books. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought that might be worth uh, worth giving a shout out to. It's on Kindle as well, so we can get it for half nothing. Okay, cool. I have never read a racing book. Yeah, I don't think I have either, actually. Rob, you? I read um, Jackie Stewart's one that was ghostwritten by a dude named Peter Mancuso. I swear to God, mm. the name of it might have been Faster. Uh, Mancuso also wrote, ghost wrote other books about racing. I think one that was literally called Vroom. Uh, literally, yeah. that was the title, <laughs> uh, which was pretty amazing. It was an interesting yes, book, it is called it was, um, you know, That was a profile of first person sort of a narrative of Jackie Stewart's uh, year in racing the year that Jochen Rint uh, died yeah. and won the championship mm-hmm. posthumously. So that ended up being a really good sort of snapshot in time. And uh, that was well worth a read. Uh, Jackie Stewart in that came across very much as a character that you started, you got the sense of like how little he liked racing in that period, like loved right. racing cars, but in terms of like the sport, his growing mystification as to why they still did this and why they tolerated you know, the lack of medical stuff was was cool. But I'd be really interested to read an account from somebody who like was was a viable racer, but also fundamentally wanted to have a good time. Because uh, yeah, I think this is jacked a lad. Yeah, because I think this is this is sort of thing. Like chances are, you'd be as serious about this stuff as you want. Chances are you're not, you're not going to make it right. Like I think. A lot of times in our culture, we've got this narrative of, you know, just just work hard, put your, take it seriously, show show your commitment at every turn, and like things will break your way. And, and a thing like F one, I mean, probably still not right. Like mm. <laughs> in motorsports, probably things like you're gonna you're gonna bust ass and probably still not going to go uh, where you wanted it to. Um, so I'm actually interested in, in reading the experiences of somebody who sort of did that calculation and realized like fuck it this is awesome i'm just gonna <laughs> let's, i'm gonna hang out yeah i'm gonna enjoy it while i can yeah uh, i've heard that speaking uh, of things that people enjoy <laughs> <laughs> so that's sorry were you ready for your, your email or sure well i was just gonna say yeah, people seem to like that adrian newey book uh how to build a car oh yeah i've heard people like that one. Yeah, people have any ideas, I guess. Shift F1 podcast at gmail.com. Tons, tons of those being ordered to Marinello right now. Just like I'm pouring <laughs> over it. <laughs> Good there, Steiner. Just like got a copy in every bathroom in the house. Uh, yes. All right. Next email comes in from Unsigned. Is that right? Is that what I put down on the thing? Uh, I don't see a name here. Oh, maybe. Okay. You. Uh, yeah. Let's go with that for now. Okay. Um, the email reads, Hey all, totally not the most F1 related, but thought you would find it interesting uh, that apparently every single prefecture in Japan has its own unique logo. So now oh, you know what symbols represent each race happening in the new year. Excited for you all to get back to the pod. Uh, that was from Josh. Josh sent that email. And in. Josh sent in a link, which we will put in the show notes. Uh, which shows all the icons and they you know what they remind me of is like that uh, Led Zeppelin album cover where everyone there's like four logos right there's a wow they're really abstract yeah I know this is probably terrible for podcasts but I just found them so interesting that people should 
go check them out. They're so I love how you can tell like these aren't uh like Western. There's just something about like the designs that are so otherly. Like they wouldn't have come from Europe or the States. They're just so interesting looking. I was trying to see if one of them looks any of them look like like a lot of them look like ones you'd see on like Wipeout or something for like futuristic racing <laughs> yep, do, companies yeah. or teams, right? Like Yamanishi Prefecture looks like a bunch of like Wipeout ships flying through the air. Nagano, Nagano Prefecture. Yeah, it just looks like, looks the like Smash, Smash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Ibakari or Iba Ibaraki is like a magic eight ball. Tokyo just oh, yeah. looks like uh like a, a future metropolis from the top. Totally. Yeah. Circular. Oh man. These They're are awesome. Great. I wonder that they all have mascots as well, right? Isn't that a thing? Like everything in all the Japanese prefectures have mascots too. I think those are for cities. I don't know that the prefectures oh, cities? have mascots. I could be beautiful. Wrong. I love uh, it. These are that's, yeah. the, that's the Grand Prix money. No, no question. I'd love to go to. Yeah, that'll be awesome. These are great. Uh, right? Which one yeah. are you gonna get tattooed? Well, I'm trying to like. Which are the ones that I say a lot? I think Mie Prefecture. That that's kind of cool. Mie Prefecture is really badass. That's like I don't know. That that looks like the the start finish straight in China or something with the bridge over it. I like Osaka. It looks like a. Straight out of uh, Spore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Again, bad for good podcasting, stuff. but check them out. Yeah. Good, check uh, them out. good um, inspiration for, I know uh, uh, Cal, the um, who did our Shift F1 logo for the podcast, yes. he loves to do reinterpretations of uh, Wipeout logos and like yeah. invent new Wipeout teams. This is... Cal, you should go here. Yeah, Check that's a, that's a inspiration forest right there. Uh, our final email for this podcast comes in from uh, Florent in Montreal, um, and I, I this is especially for you, Drew. I thought you'd get a kick out of this. Okay. Um, Florent is a new uh, listener to us. He okay. says, "Good morning, you. Good morning, you guys. I love that. Good morning." Um, I've discovered your podcast only yesterday after binging Netflix's Drive to Survive documentary. Cool. Uh, From the the get-go, I really enjoyed listening to you three. I started with the 59th episode, the 2019 season primer. Way to go. And I'm quite, as I'm quite new to the sport. So, I I mean, I'll put my hands up, Drew. I took the piss last year when you when you ended last year's episode, the final episode, and said you should go what, listen to preseason fiber. <laughs> I made I made light of it, but it apparently has worked out perfect. We found the guy. Long. Totally, because not only did he do that, but he's making his way through them. He says, I have to now power through your entire 2019 season episodes as I want to be ready for March 2020 and gain enough knowledge to have a good F1 fantasy season. I live in Montreal, so F1 is really a tradition here. And although I've been to the Grand Prix once in 2019, uh, I've always enjoyed it. Or uh, I've only been to the Grand Prix once, sorry. Um, uh, really makes uh, marks the beginning of the summer here. Uh, keep on doing good work on the podcast. And for sure, I will be a Patreon member soon enough. Uh, one qu- quick question. Do you have any idea where I could buy F1 merchandise where I wouldn't need to sell a kidney to afford it. Ooh. Um, I have literally never seen like good quality knockoff F1 gear. I know there's some websites that do it, but like I've never, to me, if I'm buying something F1-y, I want it to be of a certain quality because I'm not going to buy one. I'll probably buy one thing every five years or something like like a nice embroidered cap or 
or something like that. But I, have you guys ever seen anywhere where you can buy stuff on the cheap? So I, I have one answer here, uh, but it might not be reliable. Um, okay. When we went to the uh, Grand Prix in Austin, Danny, hmm. uh, they had you know um, various merch for sale, and my buddy Ethan, who was with us, bought a hat. For last year's Mexico Grand Prix, a vastly <laughs> <Yeah>. discounted rate. <laughs> so that is an option. I guess if uh, if Florent's in Montreal, then maybe yeah, maybe there's a couple of uh, you know Montreal 2018 caps floating around. Yeah, you got to catch them at the right moment though, because suddenly then they, they become collector's editions if it's if they're if they're too old. Um, but that's pretty cool. I thought that was really awesome that somebody listened to our preseason primer and not only got into it, but actually made their way through the entire season. I think that's pretty cool. That's fantastic. Thank you, Floral. Mm. Uh, all right. That's it for emails, huh? Yeah. See you, uh, You can also follow us at Shift F1 Podcast on Twitter. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. Uh, that's us around the internet. And now it's time to take it around the world. We're gonna race around the world. Yeah. Uh, the winter time is usually uh, well, winter in the northern hemisphere, I suppose. The mm. end of the end and beginning of the year. Uh, generally not um, race time, uh, but there are a few series that are already underway. The Asian F3 series, as previously mentioned on this podcast, is a winter series and is viewable on YouTube. Uh, the Dakar Rally. Also, that just happened. Uh, IMSA's Rolex 24 at Daytona happened. Uh, the yeah. World Rally Championship just had its inaugural round. And in uh, Sweden on February 13th is round two. Uh, and, of course, Formula E has already had three rounds, the fourth of which is coming up on February 15th in Mexico City. Uh, other ones are starting soon. The NHRA kicks off on February 9th. Gander Mountain Trucks start on, you guessed it, Valentine's <laughs> Day, February 14th. Supercars are on February 22nd in Adelaide. And I believe NASCAR starts for real on wow. February 16th with the Daytona 500. Daytona. 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 Daytona, not Tona. All year round, Tona. Any kind of Tona. Yeah. Uh, there are a few, like, uh, other races before Daytona on the NASCAR website called the, the Bush Clash and the Blue Green Vacations Duel. But the clashes and duels, <laughs> I don't think, are real races or they're not for. They're on Fox Sports 1, basically, is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so they I should do that on F1. That's your reverse grid. Do the, <laughs> do the, do the, the Paul Ricard Clash. <laughs> make it interesting yeah, there you go i'm already looking ahead here to the names of the uh the upcoming races and there's some uh some real winners here um <laughs> the kids free 325 <laughs> kids free what? like kids kids <laughs> if free. you'd like to support the show you can do so patreon.com slash shift f1 uh yeah uh, we um we'll have Let's see. We have planned for uh, upcoming episodes, the preseason yes. primer. Uh, we will also have uh, currently planned is an episode dedicated uh, after that just to testing mm. um, and sort of what our expectations are for the upcoming um, 
uh, rounds based on what yeah. we see in testing. Uh, and Barcelona. then we will start uh, with a pre-Australia show, as usual, and then uh, that'll kick things off for the season. Yeah, it's going to be a fun uh, start to the season between now and, and the start of June. We'll have Australia, Bahrain, uh, we'll have Vietnam, the Hanoi Street Circuit for the very first time, that strange inverted track. Uh, China, if it goes ahead, we'll have to keep our uh, eyes on what's happening there with the coronavirus. Of course, same with Australia. And then Zandvoort, five on the 3rd of May. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think having those early new races should make it very interesting. Uh, I found a reasonably priced piece of F1 merch for <laughs> Florent. What? What is it? Behold the Scuderia Ferrari flight case ceramic mug. Forty oh, percent off its usual price of thirty dollars. Selling for eighteen dollars. Available in just one color, red. But you're, but you're a member of the Tifosi. What do you want with another color besides red? Description: this, this iconic flight, the iconic flight cases of the Scuderia Ferrari team serve as the inspiration for the ceramic mug with its surprising square shape. Now, it's surprising. You didn't know you wanted a square, uh, a surprising square mug, uh, but you did. <laughs> Uh, that is absolutely the <laughs> optimal shape for a uh, for for a mug. The, this original ceramic mug echoes the flight cases that the Marinello team uses, and is designed to make fans feel part of the team. With a large handle and a contrasting white interior, meaning they didn't decorate the interior; they just you know they they, they enameled the outside. But like, it's just a mug on the inside. The mug is dishwasher and microwave safe. It's a flight case. Why would you expect anything less? The mug, an ideal gift, also feels the Ferrari shield in its unmistakable colors on both sides. That, it, that is wow. one of the ugliest mugs I've ever seen. But <laughs> if you don't like it, thankfully, Ferrari are selling about six other mugs <laughs> on the store. You don't uh, love the fake, like the, the painted on case snaps at the top of the mug? <laughs> Uh, this is a little yeah, detail I, shot to really let oh. you savor the, uh, the, the fake hinge of the mug. At the th- when I first saw it, I thought it was a real hinge. I thought you'd have to snap open the thing, the pe- like a pelican case, and, and right. drink from yeah. Which I was kind of into. I was like face. Groovy. Of course, if you're not into that, instead, if you want, you can buy uh, Ruben Barrichello's uh, 2004 rear spoiler for eighteen thousand euro. It's also available oh my God. on the Ferrari store. So I keep this is it happened to me again the other day. I broke I broke a pair of sunglasses. Uh, I'm they, they seem repairable. I just need to get somebody to pop a lens back in. But it did lead me back to um, sunglasses hut, and I was like, man, I'm gonna regret not picking up those uh, Ferrari Ray Bans last year, uh, the Kimi specials. Uh, when I when I saw them, I just didn't I didn't have the courage of my convictions. Uh, that sponsorship is ongoing. You can still get the Ray Ban. Uh, Ferrari sunglasses, and here's the weird thing: they're actually cheaper than a lot of Ray Bans. Yeah, they're like two hundred bucks, one hundred and fifty bucks. Some of these are right. Yeah. So, really, if you think about it, Florent, you'd be saving money if you bought the Ferrari Ray Bans uh, because they're Ray Bans, but they're super cheap compared to other sunglasses. So. And you I can, mean, compared to, compared to other Ray Bans, well, if you yeah. go into your local gas station, you can probably buy about eighty pairs of sunglasses for the same cost. That's true, but there's a there's a weird. You're actually wasting money on gas station sunglasses because there's a weird spell cast on them that causes them to disappear uh, <laughs> yeah. within hours of purchase. So you know, really, you're kind of throwing that money away. That's true. Wow, there's a there's a whole lot of things on this store, you guys. 
Oh yeah, if you want if you want to be a rich person who wastes their money, Ferrari amazingly has your back. Look, I uh, I don't like to profile people, but I will <laughs> say people who wear a lot of Ferrari merch. In general, in my experience, like not at the, on race day, that's that's different we're gonna lose thing. like twenty percent of our of our listeners right now. Watch this. Yeah, I'm just saying, someone who's wearing like someone who's got like more than one. I think even one is probably a bit much. But like when people are kind of decked out in their Ferrari gear, and it's not a race weekend, and it's not even the race season, you kind of gotta ask what is going on here. Uh, when I was in Berlin, the only really like negative interaction I had while I was in Berlin uh, was a woman with a giant Ferrari suitcase just smashing that thing into my back to get on the last airport shuttle uh, to make it to the airport, and it was like it was like this little German woman assaulted me with with a piece of luggage and i turned around and there's the ferrari badge and i was like this track I, I hope you i hope you looked at her and just like went it's fucking tofosi yeah i should have i, I should have been like wow pulling a michael huh <laughs> no, that was way better <laughs> uh you were, you were rubens in that situation 170 dollars Ooh, yeah. oh, look at this oh man the hyper formula double ring keychain. What's a hyper formula? I don't know, but you know super formula? Look. Yeah. <laughs> it's thirty six dollars, Rob. It's a keychain. Yeah, it's a thirty six dollar keychain with a strip of leather uh holding onto the two rings. Well if I'm gonna oh invest God. in a keychain, oh I wanna go carbon fiber. Yeah, $105. I just saw it underneath it. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, this is the good stuff. This is it. What did I got for kids? Um, my kids, I need to get my my daughter. I didn't get her enough things for Christmas. What am I going to get? Let's go baby, 0 to 24 months. Let's go for outfits. Dress and jumpsuits. Perfect. I want a jumpsuit for my daughter. Actually, these look pretty badass. <laughs> oh, and they're actually reasonably priced. God damn it. Infants padded... If you, you can make your child look like a pit crew member in this infant's padded suit with Ooh. reflective hood, $98. I mean, that's expensive, and she'll probably grow out of it in like a week, but it's not bad. This new padded zipped well, we- rain suit with zipper and reflective hood evokes the design of the driver's suits. Born a champion. Danny, you got to get that. It's pretty like, good. It's expensive, but like what you're buying there is a single photo shoot. Well, I know. Well, it would have been a good like halloween thing if we hadn't dressed her up as a chicken celebrate the team um, the whole year round i'm gonna the look, thing I just I'm gonna said look doesn't apply to kids. <laughs> if a kid is decked out in ferrari gear especially outside the f1 season then you know that kid's cool i found a cafe press store that'll give me a haas uh oh no this is haas university this is something else drew found a pacifier <laughs> what like a ferrari yo yeah oh no Oh no! How much is it? Seventeen dollar. Mm. My first race. Anything I mean, that is definitely bought and only used by babies. I'm yeah. God damn it, Mom. <laughs> I've got a I've got a visual now that I really wish I hadn't. All My right, I think that note. that's a podcast. Yep, it's a fact. Well, happy twenty twenty, everyone. Yes, we will be back again uh, with uh, some Patreon stuff and some. <laughs> Uh, preseason primer so look forward to that yeah. and maybe some maybe shouldn't even say this big maybe some special guess ooh <laughs> what could it be uh, alright 
That's it for this episode. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time. Wait, what race weekend is it exactly? Every every weekend is a race weekend, Danny. Let's go. Oh, the race around the world part. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Keep okay. it in your okay. heart. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm.